Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Daniel. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. He's done for us and all he continues to do for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death. So we can have a new life, spiritual life, and our eyes can be open to the word of God. Amen. I'm so grateful for that, Lord, and saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. So I say a special prayer for Giselle that the doctors find whatever ailment you might have, Lord, and they work through you, Lord. Work through the doctor's hands, Lord, to heal her. We pray for um, George, that you heal him too, Lord, and Doreen, that you bring her back to us, and uh, someone in Drew's family that passed, we say a prayer for them and comfort their family, and we know that everything's done to get us closer to God, and we're just grateful for that, Lord, and we just pray that we could all be beacons of light in this lost and dying world, Lord, as we can shine brighter than ever right now, Lord, as the world's getting darker and darker, and we know that your return is near, Lord. Help us to be live worthy of the call, Lord, so people can see Christ in us and we can build your kingdom, Lord. And as always, let everything we do be led by your spirit tonight, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Right, we're going to stand, but he's going to come up and sing. We're going to stop.
in you. Amen? Amen. You know it. How's everybody doing tonight, all right? I'm glad I'm here, but I needed the halfway point, right? <sighs> Gotta get replugged, reconnected, right? Thank you, Jesus. All right, we are in the book of Daniel, but I see we get to Acts chapter 9 up there, verses 1 to 16. She got me good on that one. <laughs> Let's go there. No, let's go there. We're going to start in Acts chapter 9. Let's see what we got here. We are going to continue our study with the book of Daniel. I know everybody's excited about this study. I know I am. It's awesome prophecy here. I've been studying it, studying it, studying it, studying it. The name Daniel means the Lord is my judge. That's what it means, Daniel. The Lord is my judge. All right, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. As always, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over now as I step aside and let him work through me. So please prepare your hearts and your mind to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. Verse 1. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Imagine the guy that penned in 13 epistles of the Bible thought he was doing God justice by killing people. That's how what religion will do to you. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. <laughs> wow, imagine. Lock them doors. Because <laughs> we're definitely followers of the way here, that's for sure. To arrest any of the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. That's a rhetorical. He said, Who are you, Lord? Like, he asked who he was, but he knew he was. Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Imagine what they What the heck is going on? Wow. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, the Lord. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas 
When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. <laughs> I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Wow. So God arranged it. See through the circumstances? How God set it all up. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers or God's holy people in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. How about a big amen there? What a great story, right? God knocked him off his high horse. He thought he was doing God justice by killing Christians, by following a religious activity that he was following, but he was dead wrong. And most Christians follow religious rituals too, and come to find out they were dead wrong. You never get to know God through any kind of religious activity. It's only through a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he said, how much he must suffer for my namesake. Now you know it as well as I do. When you make a decision to serve the Lord, how much we're going to have to suffer. Especially right now, the way the world is. To stand up for righteousness right now, we are going to get bashed and talked about. And even from Christians, we're not living the right way. They're going to call us legalistic, this, that, and the other thing. Living right is not legalism. It is the fruit of our salvation. Amen? That's what it is. That's the proof that we are saved. A transformed heart and a changed mind and a renewed mind by His Spirit to we now to start to do things the righteous way, the way God wants us to do them. Amen? And we struggle all the way here doing it, but we do make improvements and after a certain point, we can no longer use that as an excuse anymore. Now we're making choices to live ungodly and God will chasten His children because of it. Amen? But he's a good God. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And that's awesome. Because sometimes even Christians leave and forsake each other. Because when, you know, things come up and issues in people's lives and they walk away from the Lord, we don't bash them. We pray for them to come back. We know that the devil has them in his control. Because if you're not following Jesus, you're following the devil by default. And when you become a believer and you're saved, God puts in you a new desire. A desire to want to get to know him better. A desire to want to go to the Bible and open it and learn about him. It's not something that we're forced to do. It's something that we choose to do and that we want to do. Do we get it right all the time? No, some days we don't want to get in there. But we know when we don't, we better. Because the devil already has us when we say no to that. There's no reason a Christian shouldn't be in the Bible every day reading it or listening to it. We provide it here or whatever resource you got to listen and read the Bible. Never mind all the other nonsense of people's opinions. Get into the Word of God and let God speak to you right from God. Amen? That's how we do it here. That's how we roll in this church. Amen? It's the Word of God. It's a transformer. <laughs>
You know that you have those toys, the Transformers? That, you know, the thing's like a car, and all of a sudden it turns into a mighty monster. We're a bunch of sinners, and we transformed into the image of Jesus just by believing in him. Imagine, God sees us brand new. We're new creatures. We're transformed. And if you're not transforming, you have to ask yourself, maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit then. Because you should want to change. You should have a desire in your heart to change, and you should have a desire to do whatever it takes to accomplish that. Amen? And when you do, you know that the Holy Spirit is in you. And thank God for his grace and mercy that leads us along all the way. Amen? Amen. All righty. Let's go to our book. Daniel. Chapter 1. I know everybody knows where we left off, right? Verse 18. But now I'm going to just... We're going to... We're gonna, um, before we go there, I want to profi- put a profile on Daniel. We're going to profile Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar tonight. Let's hold your finger there. Daniel's early life demonstrates, okay, that there is more to being young than making mistakes. No characteristic wins the hearts of adults more quickly than wisdom in the words and actions of a young person. Daniel and his friends had been taken from their homes in Judah and exiled, okay? Their futures were in doubt, but they all had personal traits that qualified them for jobs as servants in the king's palace. They took advantage of the opportunity without letting the opportunity take advantage of them, okay? Our first hint of Daniel's greatness comes in his quiet refusal to give up his convictions. He had applied God's will to his own life, and he resisted changing the good habits he had formed. Both his physical and spiritual diets were an important part of his relationship with God. He ate carefully and lived prayerfully. One of the benefits of being in training for royal service was eating food from the king's table. Daniel tactfully chose a simpler menu and proved it was a healthy choice. As with Daniel, mealtimes are obvious and regular tests of our efforts to control our appetites. While Daniel limited his food intake, he indulged in prayer. Instead of indulging in food, he indulged in prayer. How about a big amen there? He was able to communicate with God because he made it a habit. What does it take? They usually say it takes 21 days of repeating the same thing for it to become a habit. So you think about it. Every day, the first thing I'm going to do is pray. Pray, 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 till it becomes a habit and you can't get through the day without it. See, we're, we're not supposed to get habits that are good and healthy for us and keep them habits even when the flesh don't want to do them because what? They develop a habit to do them because we develop a lot of unhealthy habits, Right? So this is how we have to develop good, healthy habits. Okay? He was able to communicate with God because he made it a habit. He put into practice the convictions even when it meant being thrown into a den of hungry lions. His life proved he made the right choice. Do you hold so strongly to your faith in God that whatever happens, you will do what God says? Such conviction keeps you a step ahead of temptation 
Such conviction gives you wisdom and stability in changing circumstances. Can I get an amen over here? Prayerfully live out your convictions in everyday life and trust God for the results. Okay, so some of the strengths and accomplishments of Daniel. Although young, when deported, remained true to his faith, serves as an advisor to two Babylonian kings and two Medo-Persian kings. Okay? Was a man of prayer and a statesman with the gift of prophecy, survived the lion's den. Some lessons from his life? Quiet convictions often earn long-term respect. Don't wait until you are in a tough situation to learn about prayer. God can use people wherever they are. Amen? Judah and the courts of both Babylon and Persia, his occupation, a captive from Israel who became an advisor of the king's contemporaries. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus. The key verse, this man Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. Chapter 5, verse 12, I can't wait till we get up further in the chapters about that. Daniel's story is told in the book of Daniel. He is also mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. How about a big amen there? All right, let's go to verse 18. Is everybody with me so far? All right, pay attention. This is going to take a lot of focus. Okay, verse 18. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Why did God bless them with such awesome abilities? Because they were obedient to God. That is why he blessed them with all the gifts and talents and um, blessings because of he was, they were obedient to God it would not compromise if you want all the blessings and the power of God in your life you have to say no to your flesh and sinful desires obey him and walk in his ways and watch what God will do in your life but don't you expect to live selfishly and what in the flesh and evil and expect God to what bless you if anybody's going to bless you, it's going to be the devil to keep you away from God. You know it as well as I do. When you're not living right and you're getting blessed, you know it's not from God. You know his character. He doesn't bless ungodly people. Can I get an amen here? So let me just make a little point here. We don't just say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Live what I want. Don't worry. God's protected me. No, it says those who love God and are called according to his purpose and obey him 
over their flesh. Big amen there, right? And that's why we have to grow up so we can. And stop making excuses. I should have did this. I should have did that. I said, all right. I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years and I still do the same thing over and over again. God's saying, hello, you're not getting it. Why are you not listening? You're choosing to live disobedient. Don't use it as an excuse anymore because now you know better. So you're going to get chastened by the Lord and he's not going to be able to use you. You have to walk. Fight the flesh and say no to it. Say, I'm going to keep my big mouth shut today. That's what I'm going to do. If I don't have anything good to say, it's edifying, I'm not going to say anything at all. And don't think that you can't do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can do all the wrong things with the devil who strengthens you too. If you choose. <laughs> all right, in verse 20, how did the captives survive in a foreign culture? They learned about the culture, achieved excellence in their work, served the people, prayed for God's help, and maintained their integrity. Even though they were in a foreign land, they still used the principles that God taught them wherever they went. So when you get up in the morning, you use the principles of God when you get in your car and you go to work. You use the principles of God and you obey Him in the kingdom at your job, the kingdom at the gas station, the kingdom at your house. Get it? You obey him there. How do they do it? They maintained their integrity. Lori did an awesome study on integrity, right? Doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Or maintaining your integrity when you're in church, when you're at home, when you're in your car, when you're in traffic, when you're with other people, when you're with unbelievers, when you're at work, everywhere. You're just who you are in Christ. And you don't try to change that. You don't try to conform to the places you go. You, you just conform to the image of Christ wherever you go. Can I get any men here? Now, how many of us do that perfectly? <laughs> we want to. Listen, when I get up in the morning, my whole desire is to be like Jesus wherever I go. I want to be like Jesus when I pray with my wife before I go to work. I want to be like Jesus when I go to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning and the people don't want to move in front of me. When there's, there's nobody in front of them and I got to wait because they're on their phone. I got to be like Jesus there. So I say, pray, Jesus, please talk to them. Talk to them because I want to beat my horn. And that's probably going to cause some problems because that's what it does. <laughs> right? So then when I go back home, pray with my wife, right on the right footing, right? Get in my car, plug in the daily walk, get the day started. Lord, I'm going to work for you today. Because I already know that the devil's going to try to attack me on the road till I get to the job, get all frustrated there, and then what? The, the people, God, the devil's going to work through the people to flare me up even more. So I'm prepared. So that's what maintaining integrity is all about. Being ready, being prepared for what God has prepared for us. Amen? Okay. We may feel like foreigners whenever we, whenever we experience change, okay? Alien cultures come in many forms. A new job. A new school. A new neighborhood. We could use the same principles to help us adapt to our new surroundings without abandoning God. We just use what we learn from the Bible in all our circumstances. Just imagine if we did that all the time. How good things would go for us if we used the scriptures and all the things of God 
at home, at the gym, everywhere we go, and we maintained our integrity. Just think how great of a day you would have. Because you know it as well as I do, you end up having a bad day because you, you caused it. Oh, I'm having a bad day today. No kidding. You're living in your flesh. What do you expect to happen as a Christian? Christians living in the flesh do not have good days. Because what? The conviction, the conviction, the conviction. We beat ourselves up and beat ourselves up. All right, verse 21. Daniel had a way with words, though. He was always compassionate, etiquette. He even worked. Everybody favored around. Look, when you're living for the Lord... Everybody around you will find favor with you. The Lord makes sure that happens. Okay. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Cyrus began his reign over Babylon in 539 B.C., okay? Daniel was one of the first captives taken to Babylon, and he lived to see the first exiles return to Jerusalem in 538 B.C. Throughout his time, Daniel honored God, and God honored him. Okay? While serving as an advisor to the kings of Babylon, Daniel was God's spokesman to the Babylonian Empire. Babylonia was a wicked nation. It would have been much worse without Daniel's influence, amen? Just think about, we live in the United States. We live in a wicked nation. Just think about it, how much more wicked it would be if there weren't some faithful, loyal Christians praying for this nation. I don't know about you, but I pray for our nation every day. I don't pray and I don't say anything about our leaders because God put them there. You never, ever knock the leadership of our country. You pray for them. Because the Bible tells us to, because God is the one who puts them in, and God is the one who takes them out. Can I get an amen here? So what do we do? We pray that God touches their heart, and he what? Makes, starts doing things in a godly fashion, or using godly principles. Other than that, you can't pick it and think that it's going to change something. Can I get an amen here? Well, Christians don't understand if you read the Bible, God's the one who puts kings in and takes kings out. That's what it says. So obviously, we voted for who we wanted to, but God said, no, I see somebody else. I'm putting somebody else in there. I want you to pray for him. I want you to love him unconditionally. Unfortunately, our nation is losing its godliness and its godly principles, and they're in wicked compromise. And everything goes now. Sin is accepted everywhere. So that means people can live whatever they want, way they want out there and get accepted. Years ago, it was shameful to live in an ungodly way in the country. How about a big amen there? Today, anything goes. All right, let's break into chapter 2. <laughs> everybody ready? Good, so am I. <laughs> All right. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. <clears throat> One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, his enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. 
or Chaldeans. And he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. So think about what was in that nation. All the things God was against. Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. All things that God forbid. So that's how we know how evil that nation was. Had nothing godly in it at all. Thank God for Daniel kept his integrity there. God protected him. Okay, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. And they stood before the king. He said, I have a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. Okay? <laughs> in Aramaic. The original text from this point, okay, through chapter 7, is in Aramaic. Long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what the dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Wow. Just think about what he said now. Who the heck is going to be able to read his mind? Right? They were shaking in their, they were shaking in their boots right then and there. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They, say, they said again, Please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you are doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind, but tell me the dream and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. Oh boy. The astrologers replied to the king and they were right. No one on earth can tell the king his dream. Notice what they said? No one on earth. He didn't say no one else. He just said no one on earth. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible, no one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. Wow, so they had no concept of God, did they? God lives with his people. Is God here right now? Yeah. He sure is. They didn't know him, right? All right, now before we go on, let me just talk about this a little bit now. The astrologers were unable to persuade the king with any amount of logic or rational argument, okay? The king asked for something impossible and wouldn't let anyone change his mind. When power goes to a leader's head, whether at work, at home, or in the church, that leader may sometimes demand the impossible from subordinates. I don't know about you, but that definitely happens with me. Sometimes it, 
I get asked impossible things because they, you know, am I the only one? We know people sometimes I, you know, I don't want to mention any names here, but we know how when somebody gets a big head and you can't tell them, you can't be logical with them, there's no reasoning with them, they're closed and that's it. And it happens a lot. Even at home. Right? You ask your spouse, I want this done. I want you to change this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been doing this all my life. Expect me to change like that? Are you kidding? But no. They still demand it. It works everywhere you go. You know how it goes. Now listen. At times, this may be the challenge needed to motivate workers to achieve more than they thought that they could. At other times... It may just be the rantings and ravings of someone deluded with power. <clears throat> just as Daniel dealt wisely in the situation, we can ask God to give us wisdom to know how to deal with unreasonable bosses. <laughs> can anybody relate to that? Amen. <laughs> But we got to what? Ask God to give us wisdom to know how to deal with unreasonable bosses. What do a lot of people do when that happens? What do they do? They go talk about the boss. And they go trip and they go what? Gossip about the boss. The most stupid thing you can do is go gossip about the boss. Like a fly on the wall, somebody's going to get back to the boss. And you are definitely going to get in deep trouble because of it. Could even lose your job. But, you know human beings, right? We love to when things don't go our way. That's why it says, zip it. And leave it in God's hands. Because God is testing us with that and he's training us to become godly, to keep your mouth shut. Even if it says, even if they're unreasonable, you what? Suck it up and leave it to God. I get an amen here. These are all good things to teach us. The Bible is here to teach us to do the right things. How many of us stick our foot in our mouth all the time? The Bible is trying to train us into godliness. And the only way we're going to get trained unto godliness is through resistance. If we don't get tested, how are we ever going to change or improve? Forget about it. Forget about it. It ain't happening. <laughs> okay. In verse 11, the astrologers admitted that their gods did not live here among people and thus were unable to help them. Of course their gods weren't present and available. They didn't even exist. This exposed the limitations of the astrologers. They couldn't invent interpretations of dreams but could not tell Nebuchadnezzar what he had dreamed. Although his request was unreasonable, Nebuchadnezzar was furious when his advisors couldn't fulfill it. It was not unusual in these times for astrologers to be in conflict with the king. Okay? They sometimes used their craft to gain political power. See? By answering that the gods do not live here among people, the astrologers betrayed their concept of the gods. This was a hollow, 
religion, a religion of convenience. They believed in the gods, but that belief made no difference in their conduct or lifestyle. Today, many people profess to believe in God, but it is also a hollow belief. In essence, they are practical atheists because they don't listen to him or do what he says. Do you believe in God? He does live among people, and he wants to change your life. How about a big amen there? Do you realize there's practical atheists right in the church? They say they believe in God, but what? Because they don't listen to him or do what he says. How many people don't obey God? They listen to him, but they don't obey him. Thank you, Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but I learned to obey the hard way. Because God chose me to do something, and when I disobey him, I pay an awful price for it. And it's not even outward, it's inward. Torment. It's torment. It's uneasiness. It's, it's like living, it's like living, you'd rather be dead than living in that torment. That you're, you know that you're not doing the right thing, and it's just convicting you and convicting you and convicting you. God is working on you. Then he's saying, listen, don't go repeat that or you're going to get the same result. So stop and learn from it. My grace covers it and move on and grow. You can do two things. You can get bitter or you can get better. You can grow cold or catch on fire from it and what? Grow and move on. I would pick the latter. Right? Move on. Grow. Grow up. Learn from your mistakes. Okay. Verse 12. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Imagine, he didn't, he was, he, Nebuchadnezzar was a nasty man. He was. He, would, he was going to behead them all just because they couldn't do it. And, and it was impossible. Who could, who could tell what was in his mind? Who knows what he dreamt? Just imagine what he was asking them to do. <laughs> And their houses were going to get destroyed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends too. When Ariok, the commander of the king's God, came to kill them, Daniel, listen now, listen what it says. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He did, what did he do? Wisdom and... Did he flip out? Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like you hear Christians all the time. Oh no! <laughs> what do they want? Maintain their integrity with wisdom and say, I'm going to go to the Lord with this. He's going to take care of it. Imagine. Now, he asked, verse 15, he asked Ariok, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? See, so he had to get out of the... He had to find out why, because if he didn't, then he wouldn't be able to do anything. See how he handled it? So Ariok told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. Now look what he did in verse 18. He urged them to ask the God of heaven 
to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Where do they go? Right to God. Amen. Right to God. Nowhere else, right to God. Now, before we go on, <clears throat> Daniel was at a crisis point, okay? Imagine going to see the powerful, temperamental king who had just angrily ordered your death. Daniel did not shrink back in fear, however, but confidently believed God would tell him all the king wanted to know. He really believed it. When the king gave Daniel time to find the answer, Daniel found his three friends, and then they prayed. When you find yourself in a tight spot, share your needs with trusted friends who also believe in God's power. That is the biggest thing lacking even in this church. The people go, do I get phone calls? They look, we're in a big pickle right here. Let's pray right now. I never got one yet from anybody. They said, let's pray about this. And there's a lot of circumstances that needed prayer. And one thing that's lacking in the church, we don't confide in each other and share our needs with each other. Can I get an amen here? We have to do that. It tells us. Daniel once had his three friends. He didn't say, I'm going to go by myself and pray. No, he went to his brothers to go pray. That is a big thing that the church needs to do. Well, you'll say, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. Well, then what? We keep it quiet. There's no way. There's no power. We can't get the power that way. Now, when you find yourself in a tight spot, share your needs with trusted friends who also believe in God's power. Prayer is more effective than panic. Panic confirms your hopelessness. Prayer confirms your hope in God. Daniel's trust in God saved not only himself, but also his three friends and all the other wise men of Babylon. How about a big amen there too? We've got to think about others, not just ourselves. Look, one thing I said, our goal in this church is to grow spiritually. And growing spiritually means that we have to what? Confide in each other? and pray with each other so that we can be healed. That is something that's lacking that needs to be done. That's why God was with Daniel and his friends, because they confided in each other in God. Team Jesus. Really, we're a team. One body with many parts. Even though we're not here together, we're still connected. We should always be. All right, verse 19. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Okay, God told Daniel what he did. Just a, he, Daniel was so keyed in with God and so obedient and so trusting in God that God did it for him. Do you get the point? Listen, when you have doubts about God and don't trust him, don't think he's going to come through for you. You have to believe it to receive it. It doesn't work. Half-heartedness will never work with God. You have to throw yourself into your task. And I'm in all the way. What does the church need? What does God need? I'm there. Whatever it is. Not just for them, but for my brothers and sisters in the church. Whatever it is. It has to come first. 
When you put yourself first, don't expect God to put you first. He won't. Okay? He said, look at verse 20. He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. See how he just glorified God? He didn't take any credit for it. He gave it right to God. He controls. Listen, now listen. This is what I was just talking about. He controls the course of world events. See, whatever's going on in this world right now, God still controls it. Even though it's the devil's world, the devil still has to ask permission to do anything. And it's all part of God's plan, and God is in control no matter what. Can I get an amen here? What did, the, what did God do to um, Job? He let the devil have Adam. See, this is how God works. He works all things out the way he does it. Look, we don't understand how God works. He, he turns evil into good, good into... He does whatever he wants. He says, but God sends the good and God sends the bad. He's the one who does it all. So we should glorify him whatever. Now look what it says. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. You see, you got scholars? God's the one who gives them the knowledge to be a scholar. Okay. Listen up now. If you ever think that you still have much to learn in life, and if you ever wish that you knew more about how to handle people, then look to God for wisdom. While educational institutions provide diplomas at great expense, God gives wisdom freely to all who ask. James 1.5 for more about asking God for wisdom. But what does he say? Make sure your loyalty is not divided between God and the world. Okay? In verse 21, when we see evil leaders who live long and good leaders' lives, but when we see evil leaders who live long and good leaders who die young, we may wonder if God still controls world events. This is what you hear people say, right? Where's God in all this? Right? They question God, right? Daniel saw evil rulers with almost limitless power. But Daniel knew and proclaimed, proclaimed that God removes kings and sets up other kings. And that he controls everything that happens. Do you believe that tonight? That God controls everything that happens in your life? Then why do we complain about it then if he does? That's like saying I don't believe it. We've got a lot of growing up to do, right? We're like little babies. We are. Even though we're grown up and all, it's, it's, we're like little babies. <laughs> I read my Bible all week long and I went to church. Why is this happening to me? Really? Did you get anything out of reading it? <laughs> what do you think it says? It says you're going to expect these things. He's growing us up. We're growing up here now. We're getting better. We're definitely, believe me, I've been on this journey for a long time with a lot of you guys. And I see the progress. I see the progress. We don't see it because sometimes they're not mountaintop experiences. I see the growth. I see the growth. We're all looking for that. Instead of just accepting the little small things, like the day you didn't say anything, or when you were just helpful and you just kept your mouth shut for 10 minutes. <laughs> instead of... Instead of no minutes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, we're a work in progress. Listen, God's going to work on us till we go home to be with him. You can fight against his will all you want. He's going to have his way whether you like it or not. 
That's why he doesn't, that's what's scary about our choices. We can still make the choices, but God's still going to have his way with us. Good or bad. Hmm. But he's saying, I'm giving you the power and the wisdom to make the right ones. Don't be foolish and keep making the wrong mistakes when you know I'm telling you how to do it right. And as he's shaking his head up there saying, boy, you can't fix stupid. How many times do we do stupid things and expect something different to happen? It's not going to be like that this time. <laughs> no, I know it's going to be worse. <laughs> Especially trying to control. Okay? Now listen. Okay? We may wonder if, start, if and when all bad things happen, I say, where's God in all this? Daniel saw evil rulers with almost limitless power, but Daniel knew and proclaimed that God removes kings and sets up other kings, and that he controls everything that happens. God governs the world according to his purposes. You may be dismayed when you see evil people prosper, but God is in control. Let this knowledge give you confidence and peace no matter what happens. Amen? Because we see it all the time. Why do evil people seem like they're getting away with everything and living good life? No, they're going to have to answer to God one day. Don't worry, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. Everybody's going to have to answer for everything they do. Even Christians. <clears throat> Unfortunately, sometimes we wish you wouldn't. Look at verse 22. A couple more before we close. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Now, after Daniel asked God to reveal Nebuchadnezzar's dream, I'm going to close there, Nebuchadnezzar's um, dream to him, he saw a vision of the dream. Daniel's prayer was answered. Before rushing to Ariak with the news, Daniel took time to give God credit for all wisdom and power, thanking God for answering his requests. How do you feel when your prayers are answered? Excited? Surprised? Relieved? There are times when we seek God in prayer and, haven't, and after having been answered, dash off in our excitement, forgetting to give God credit for the answer. Match your persistence in prayer with gratitude when your requests are answered. How about a big amen there? A lot of people pray. You want prayer, right? Then God answers the prayer, and you can't find it anymore. Instead of giving him gratitude and what? Make a decision to keep serving him. All right, we're going to close there. We'll pick up when Daniel interprets the dream in verse 24. Wayne, you want to come up and close us? Follow our heads in prayer. The Bible is, 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 is our oldest manner to our lives. We have to live, think, and act accordingly in our, in our Christian walk because the devil's world is out there. He's always going to try to infiltrate us and, do, and make us do the wrong thing. But brothers and sisters, we have a choice now to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. 
and we'd be chastened if we do the wrong thing. It's God's will, not ours. I ask, I ask you, uh, I ask the Lord to bless all of us, bless little Giselle, bless uh, all our brothers and sisters, bless Pastor John and Lori, keep them safe from the schemes of the devil. Yes, Lord. And when we leave here tonight, keep rooted in the Word, Lord. Get into that Bible. He's the only man to our lives. That's what we need to do. And I say all these things in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Wayne. All right. We're going to stand and watch your video and close.